All right, here we go. Boston Media Podcast number four. It is March 18th. It's a Monday night edition. It is a pre-March Madness edition of the Boston Media Podcast. It is Christmas in springtime on the sports calendar. We've got NCAA tournament playing games starting tomorrow. Tony, what's up? I can't wait, brother. This is the best. This is the best stretch of. If you're a gambler, 100, percent and if you're just a, a observer of the sport, it's the best four days that you really should try to take off from work uh, to watch them. Which I you, did. If you can, yeah, good for you. And uh, let's just hop right into it. What do you say, Jeff? Um, let's do it. Let's. Uh, we're gonna what kind of a rundown of what we're gonna do tonight. Uh, we're going to go over. We're going we're gonna to start things off just by uh, identifying the one and two seeds, who the top eight in this field are. Um, we will also span through the first round, talk about some matchups we think are favorable, maybe a couple to stay away from. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple teams in our brackets that we think could make uh, some Sweet 16 runs in this tournament. Um, and we will wrap everything up with our Final Four and National Championship predictions. So um, first things first, the number one seeds in this tournament. Duke was the number one overall seed. Not a real surprise there, ACC champ. Other number one seeds rounding it out were Virginia, North Carolina, and uh, probably the most controversial in a lot of people's minds, the Zags. Uh, Gonzaga rounding that out. And then your two seeds are Michigan State, Michigan, um, why am I blanking, Tennessee, and Kentucky. So those are your top eight. Your thoughts on just the top eight, one and two seeds? I think they got the top eight right. And I'll just hop into it right now. My one gripe, I think they got the bubble about as good as you're going to get it on any given year. My only gripe is that Michigan State, after a superb performance in the Big Ten Championship, gets stiffed with the two in Duke's bracket. Duke, the number one of ones. You have, I think the thing that compounds it for me, Jeff, is you have Michigan playing Montana for the second straight year. In my mind, just flip them. Just have Michigan State play Montana out in the West, and then have Michigan be the number two, on the two line in in Duke's bracket. Other than that, I think they got the top eight right. Gonzaga, you have to ask the question: if the tournament if tournaments really matter, should they still be on the one line? Well, I think the moral of the story there is tournaments don't matter. They, they which don't. We've seen, obviously, because Michigan State and look at Auburn. Auburn comes in at a five, five after the SEC. Yeah, very strange. I, th- I think it's interesting because they, to, to your point, you say, well, Michigan played Montana last year, and I think what people will tell you or what the, the committee will tell you is they're not supposed to think about things like that, right? That's what they'll tell you. They right. don't, they don't, they're not supposed to sit there and say, hey, these two played each other last year. Let's not do it again. But here's why that's bullshit. I, I hate I, – I don't want to – jump to conclusions, but I think we can all agree that it's not a coincidence that they found a way to put Richard Pitino against Louisville. Yes. So you're telling me that that's just how it panned out? No, you wanted that. You placed it that way. Now, their seeds made it possible. You know, it's not like you you under or overseeded one of them to make it happen. It happened to be there for you. Sure. But don't tell me you couldn't have taken another 10 to put Louisville swap. So that's my point exactly, is that they clearly have some sort of an agenda. And this is where... I think because me and you have a, let's put it, more cynical view of the NCAA than a lot of other people might who are, who are just observers of it. Make no mistake, that's the NCAA giving the old, you know, gigum to Patino. That's what that is. And the other thing that I'll point to is 8-9. This was the first bracket that, was, that came out on CBS yesterday. 
When it came out, I could not believe it. 8-9, VCU versus UCF. Again, that's the NCAA saying, we really don't give a fuck about you mid-majors. There's no way both of those teams should have been in that position, or at least in that bracket. Those, both of those teams are good teams, played very good non-conference schedules, and ultimately, the tournaments don't matter. Because both of those teams made it to the semifinals in both of their conferences. So, um, other than, you know, I, I'm not super upset about any team not getting in or getting in. There was a little bit of a discussion about Belmont. I'm glad they're in. Uh, Murray State gets in, a la winning the conference championship. But I think, I think it was seven total. Why, why uh, I'm getting this missed. Seven total bids on the bubble to mid-majors. I think that's a good number. Anything above that, you're probably giving them too much leeway. But anything less, you're just saying, we'll take an Indiana three games below 500 out of the Big Ten. Or we'll take a TCU or an Indiana or, a, or a, um, a TCU, sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, my, my thing with Power 5, well, I guess in college basketball is Power 6, right? Big East. Right, Big East. So Power 6, I got to switch my lingo around. I'm used to college football talk. In the Power Soon 6 enough, in college friend. basketball, I have less sympathy for those bubble teams than I do the mid-majors because the mid-majors have less room for error with far less opportunities to make a stamp. To get a big win. Now, a couple examples. Indiana. Indiana has great quad one wins. Just too many losses overall. Too many losses they, they shouldn't have had. They screwed themselves over. NC State plays in the best conference in America. They were 0-9 against quad one teams. Yep. So you had nine opportunities. If you would have won two or three of them, maybe you have a different argument. Right. So NC State had every opportunity to get in. Some of these mid-majors don't. They have to win these conference tournaments. They have to have incredible records. So I, I don't really feel bad for your TCUs, your NC States, your Indianas of the world because you have so many opportunities throughout the course of the season, you don't capitalize. So to me, you, you, you dig your own grave um, in that regard. But overall, I have no problem with the field. I have a few seeding things. I think Michigan State's placement, I agree. Um, I thought Auburn was underseeded a little bit, but I don't think it'll matter because I, we'll, get into it, uh, we'll get into it a little bit later on. I think they're going to uh, go on a nice run. But let's... Let's let's talk now because we're a few days away from the first round opening up. Let's start looking at some matchups in terms of uh, popular seeding matchups that tend to breed upsets, um, lines that we like, lines that we think we should stay away from. What are a couple just off the bat that jump out to you? Let me give you a trend from last year that you might want to take a look at. This is the biggest. Everybody get the notepads out. In the first round games, Thursday and Friday games, the under hit at 84%. Teams are tight. You, you're, not, you're not going to lose that first game. And and so uh, the under is something, and we've talked about it before, Jeff. The under is a sharp play regardless of the sport, regardless of the time during the season. People want to see points. They want to see offense. The under, 84% from last year. Uh, the game that I think has gotten the most public attention so far, and tell me if I'm wrong, Oregon and Wisconsin. Do you think that has gotten the most talk so far for the first round games, or at least in the, it's, in the discussion? It's, it's up there. It's up there, and I think it's mainly because Oregon's a Power Five team coming in at twelve, and they're hot. Yeah, I will be on Wisconsin in that game. I think Oregon had a, had a. I think they they won the last six games, four of those being in the Pac twelve tournament. They are overvalued right now. There's a lot of steam on them. 
Wisconsin came off of a bad loss where they just could not score down the stretch. But I'll make this point again. Ethan Head was one of the best big men in the nation. And while they don't have a, a ton of high-talent players that are going to be moving on to the next level, they are a scrappy team. And I just I think you're getting a really good value with Wisconsin in the first-round game. That's the one circle I had. And the other one was Utah State and Washington, the 8-9 matchup That's a good one, in the too. Midwest. I have Utah State. And I, I, it's it's for the exact same reason. Washington, regular season champs out of the Pac-12, had a, a lackluster championship game performance in the tournament. And Utah State played in a tough conference, knocked off a couple big names in their non-conference, and I think they're peaking at the right time. That's a team I will take the points with in that 8-9 matchup. I, I, I'm on the opposite end of Wisconsin-Oregon, mainly because, I mean, Oregon's won nine in a row. Um, which is what you want to do coming into this tournament. I think Wisconsin's incredibly one-dimensional. Ethan Happ's a great player, but I just I, they here's the thing about Wisconsin: they do not, they don't put anyone away. If well, you watch them play, they blew a 24-point lead to Ohio State. They had a chance um, to put away Nebraska a few different times. The Big Ten championship that came down to the end. They let you hang around, and a team like Oregon, who's already got a ton of confidence, even if Wisconsin comes out strong out of the gate, sure. builds a 12-point lead, 14-point lead, if Oregon continues to play and they're able to cut that lead down, momentum shifts crazy in these tournaments. I just I don't like the fact that Wisconsin can't put the nail in the coffin against anybody, and it's because of their style. They don't have an explosive enough style to really come out Correct. and put the pressure on you for two whole halves. So I like Oregon in that matchup. Um, Utah State, I'm with you. The guys in the desert have Wisconsin, at least at my book, minus one. So they're telling you it's about a pick em game right now. And I would agree with that. It's not my number one play of the weekend. But for all of the public attention that's been on Oregon so far, I will be on Wisconsin as a contrarian play. Let me give you my biggest play of the weekend. Can you take a guess? I can, but for the sake of... Cincinnati... Laying three and a half, seven ten matchup against Iowa. I actually agree with this. The very fact, strongly. Again, tournament doesn't matter this year. That's fine. Cincinnati getting a seven. I wrote that down as soon as the bracket came out. That was, I think, the biggest seeding snub of the entire bracket. Cincinnati a seven. Disrespect. They will beat Iowa by double digits. And is it Fran Frischella? Get out of my tournament. The, the guy who wants to yell at his wife or whatever down in the... It's Fran McCaffrey. Fran McCaffrey. Fran, Fran Frischella. Fran McCaffrey. <laughs> what a, I don't give a shit. Fran McCaffrey. Get, He's get a douche. that guy out of my tournament, and I will lay as... I think that'll be a max play on Cincinnati in the first round. Do you have a number one bet Thursday and Friday? You know, I the one thing I, I thought of about Cincinnati when I saw that seed myself is, um, you know, they'll, they'll get Tennessee in round two, and I think Tennessee will edge them out. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, I am... Pretty confident that Cincinnati will not only get by Iowa, but they will scare the hell out of Tennessee in round two. Um, I, I do feel very strongly about that. I have a, I, I have a game. Um, there's two that I feel really good about, um, and they're typically matchups seeding-wise that I said last week I try to stay away from. But first one is an 8-9 matchup in the West. Uh, this will be the last game on Thursday night. Number eight, Syracuse against Baylor. Um, I love the Orange. And they're only, right now, it's Syracuse minus two. So it's a good game to get on now. Not a big spread to cover. Baylor is limping into this tournament after Iowa State obliterating them in the Big 12 semis. Big 12 quarters, actually. 
I, I, I don't see a whole lot from Baylor. Syracuse has proven at times this year that they can play with they can play with the big boys. They beat Duke. Um, and the other thing is, is I like Bayheim in the tournament. That 2-3 zone is difficult, especially for a team like Baylor that hasn't seen it all year. So I like Syracuse. I think they're a better team, and I think the two points is pretty modest. You feel pretty good about laying that. Another one that I like, and this is kind of like – this one's getting a lot of public attention, but I feel like it's more 50-50. 7-10 matchup, same day, but tip off about 20 minutes earlier. Seton Hall, number 10 against number 7, Wofford. This is like Wofford's best team in the history of the university and the program. Um, they are three-point favorites. I love Seton Hall getting points in this game. They're tough. They're rugged. They play in the Big East. They just beat Marquette. They beat Kentucky earlier in the year. Um, I cannot for the life of me think of their point guard, their best player. Um, God, I can't name his name. So whoever's listening to this will know who I'm talking about. He's a gamer. He can score. Um, I know Wofford's really good shooting the three ball, but I think Seton Hall is going to play physical defense, take away that space. Um, those are two games on Thursday that I'm a really big fan of. Anthony Nelson. And, okay, that's not it. That doesn't sound All right. All right, well, Google. That doesn't sound right. No, but you, and then, um, you know, one game, I had a couple games on Sunday. I like you stole one of them talking about Cincinnati. But another one for me is uh, I like UCF over VCU as well. That's another 8-9. I like the 9 seed UCF over VCU. Uh, they're a one-point favorite, covering one point. It's essentially a money line pick. They've got to win. Um, I like UCF's offense. Uh, the one more theme that I'll point out before giving you one more winner is you see Houston getting a three, and you talk about Wofford giving points in a first-round game. A lot of respect shown to the mid-majors this year, and I like to see that. You don't get a UMBC beating Virginia. You don't get a Loyola Chicago making it as far as they did last year without letting those teams, first off, get into the tournament and, secondly, taking them seriously. And I'm glad to see both of those teams. I'm a big fan of the Terriers. You mentioned the three ball. They can shoot your lights out, and they'll smile while doing so. So um, my other top bet that I have for you, and, again, something where I think the seeding probably has something to do with it in terms of the number uh, let me get the exact one. Louisville laying five against Minnesota. Minnesota, is there a weaker team in the field right now? I mean, they're just such a forgotten team. To me, they didn't have a great Big Ten tournament. Well, they played Purdue decently. They played Purdue well. Penn State, I think they survived barely. They survived. And, then and Penn Michigan. State, again, we talk about it. They, it. I know they're not in the tournament, so it really doesn't matter at this point. But they play tough. They do. They and, play and tough. And Michigan embarrassed Minnesota. Yes. Semi, yeah. And uh, Michigan, I think, it, it, man, the Big Ten, I, I know you think they're a little bit of a soft tournament team, uh, or soft tournament conference this year. I think the Big 12 is the biggest fade if you're looking at a, a major conference to fade. Other than Texas Tech, fade Kansas, fade Kansas State, fade Baylor, fade Iowa State. I mean, are you in love with any of the Big 12 teams? No, I'm not, actually. And I know you're not a big Texas Tech guy either, right? No, Texas Tech is a team that um, that I have going down relatively early as well. The Big 12, to me, is um, a big question mark. I don't know really what to expect from the Big 12 in this tournament. I wouldn't be surprised if some teams make a run. I mean, let's be honest. If Kansas gets to the Elite Eight, who's really going to gasp at that? It's been a down year for their standards. They're still a four-seed, right. um, and they'll have every opportunity Bill to advance. But good tournament coach? 100%. One more, one more game that I wanted to get your opinion on uh, before we wrap up here. A game that has also gotten a lot of public attention. Yale playing LSU. 
Now, I'm in the camp that LSU probably still has enough in terms of raw talent to be able to take out a Yale a team that will score a lot. Laying seven, according to my book, where do you fall on LSU with the Will Wade situation and, and how they bowed out in the SEC tournament? I think Yale is legitimate in terms of a cover. Okay. I don't think that they're an outright Seven, winner. a little bit too many? Maybe. I don't think they can win the game. I think they have, they have, se- they have a senior-led team. They have veterans. They can shoot. I think LSU is kind of new to this moment, being a top seed in March Madness. It's not. A, it's not. It's it's very unfamiliar territory for this program. Having said that, they're freaks athletically, and I think over the course of forty minutes, I think that will show itself. But I think Yale's a legitimate cover potential at seven and a half, which is what ESPN has it at right now. Um, I think they can cover. But let's turn the focus a little bit. Now we're going to look at. What are some upsets here in the first round? So why don't you give me a one or two games here in this first round, whether it's a 12-5, a 13-4, whatever the case may be. What are some upsets that uh, people can try and get out in front of? Because even if it's a chalk tournament, for the most part, you, part, you know the first weekend is going to give you a couple surprises. So where do you think they may happen? It works out perfectly. We talked about the 13-4 last week and the 14-3 last week. And I'll give you two out of the same bracket in the South. Old Dominion, I think, is live against Purdue. Outright win. Wow. And let me give you another one. The, the, the 13-4, I think UC Irvine against Kansas State. Um, now, I know what's-his-name is going to be playing for Kansas State, but he's beat up. I can't remember his name right now. Good player. Kansas State was with Texas Tech for, I think, the last five or six games down the stretch in terms of winning the Big 12 regular season title. But those two teams, I will be taking money line bets on somewhere in the 3-4-1 to four to one range. Um, but we already mentioned it. I like Walford as well, and, and it's not a giant upset if they win, but I think, and, and they're the seven, but I think when you take a look at them playing Seton Hall, um, that would be a statement win for a, a mid-major team that uh, the Southern Conference doesn't get a whole lot of respect, the SoCo, but I think Walford laying three is another value bet because of the public interest that's going to be on Seton Hall here, yourself included. I mean, and, and just for anyone listening, speaking of Old Dominion, Tony, you're mentioning taking a money line. Yes. Right now, Old Dominion on the money line is plus 800 to everybody listening. So that is 8 to 1, essentially, if I have that right. I mean, so basically, if you bet $100 on Old Dominion to win, you pay out 800 Right. So that's 8 to 1. I was um, a little short with the 3 to 4 to 1 then. On Old Dominion, yes. Yeah, a little bit and, short. But I'm saying now, we've, we've talked about that before. Now, if you want to bet Old Dominion with the spread... You know, normally when you bet spread, you're you're betting you're winning close to even money. That'd be plus thirteen, so that's pretty good too. That's good value. That's a lot of points. Um, but if you think that Old Dominion can beat Purdue outright, it would be plus eight hundred. Now, if they lose by one at the buzzer, you get nothing. That's the one benefit of playing the spread. But a lot higher reward, a lot bigger payout, plus eight hundred. That's pretty big. And if you actually think they have a chance. And that's something as a listener, I think you got to take into consideration if you're comfortable. I'll be including them with the points in a throw couple 20 of parlays. On it. Throw twenty but on it. Yeah. Eight to one. Listen, uh, with the tournament, it's called March Madness for a reason. You can make as many brackets as you want. There will be a lower seated team that comes out on fire and beats a higher seated team by sixteen on Thursday or Friday. It will happen. Where it happens, not quite sure. I'll put my money on Old Dominion and on on UC Irvine, uh, but. It will happen. Now, who do you have in terms of first-round upsets that you like? 
See, for me, and I didn't plan it this way, but the matchup that I'm kind of liking this year for whatever reason is 12-5. Historically I, an upset look. I like the 12 seeds this year. Uh, the first one that jumps out to me right off the bat, and I think part of this is me being pissed at Marquette for ruining a huge parlay for me last week. Murray State against Marquette. It's only a four-and-a-half-point line. So Vegas is telling you something. I think Murray State can hang with Marquette. That's Howard, a line. Howard is banged up. That wrist is not quite right. He didn't have his best game against Seton Hall in the semis of the Big East tournament. They lost. I don't think Marquette has anybody from an athleticism standpoint that can slow down John Morant. I think Morant is the kind of guy that can go for 25-plus in this game. And I think that he has an opportunity to carry them through a first-round game over Marquette. Marquette historically has choked in this tournament. Um, so they are one team that I like in the 12-5. We've already talked about this one. Oregon-Wisconsin is another one I like the Ducks. So that's another 12-5 matchup for me. Um, I also like Liberty over Mississippi State. I'm liking that one as well. Mississippi State... 23-10, and 10, they had a pretty good year, but middle of the pack in the SEC, I think the SEC was pretty top-heavy. I think the middle of it was pretty weak, so I think Liberty has a good chance. Um, you know, I, I thought briefly about UC Irvine and Kansas State. Um, I know UC Irvine is a pretty good shooting team. Mm -hmm. uh, they're pretty spread out offensively. I think Kansas State is offensively challenged as they are. They're really rugged. They're really tough. They're going to D up really, really hard. Bruce Weber, we talked about in the, you know before the podcast started, I think Bruce Weber's got a lot of pedigree in this tournament. So for me, it's a lot of 12-5 is what I like. The 4-13 this year doesn't do a whole lot for me. I know Vermont's a pretty good team. They're a, a veteran team. But, I mean, let's be real. Anyone who's watched Florida State in the last few weeks. They're a buzzsaw. And that, that, and that segues us. So now that we've talked about some upsets, now we're going to get into some teams that we believe can make a run in this thing. And, and when, we, when we talk about this, we're not talking about ones and twos. It's pretty obvious that they have the opportunity to make a run, right? So when we're talking about teams that can win a couple games, doesn't even have to be a Cinderella either. We're almost talking about that sweet spot, a team that can knock off a couple teams, get to the Sweet 16, get to the Elite Eight. Slight bracket buster, but it's not a Loyola Chicago, oh my God, what are we witnessing kind of thing. Sure. Um, what are some teams you see that could potentially do that. I'm just going to give you two. And, and these two teams I, in, in my bracket I have making it to the Elite Eight, UCF and uh, – I'm sorry. <laughs> I was you, going along with you. I no, didn't want to embarrass no, you no, on the no, tape. No, 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 like, no, what no, the no, hell no. is he talking I'm about? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Houston, Texas Tech. Houston, Texas Tech. Now, the, the threes – Two three seeds. The, the, the threes aren't – Way gonna, to go out on a limb. We said no ones and twos, and you give them threes. I, so – if you can give me a compelling, five, I'm kidding, I think I'm I think kidding. the four seeds are awful uh, on all four. except Florida State. Well, yes, but if you look further down in that bracket, there's a, a bigger, badder buzzsaw waiting for them as well. I will take Houston and Texas Tech. Okay, Texas Tech. You know, it's funny because your Texas Tech pick totally contradicts. Uh, I have three. That I like. I have two six seeds and a five uh, that I think can can make some serious runs here. The first one you're going to give me Buffalo, aren't you? The first one is Buffalo. God damn it, Buffalo out of the MAC. I look. I I I don't know why there's any negativity from you on that, but Buffalo is going to get um, a play-in round. I don't know who it's going to be. It'll either be Arizona, Arizona State, State or St. John's. John's. Yeah, I think they can win either one of those. 
Um, and that gets them to the second round against a team that I think is going to choke in this thing, and that is the Red Raiders, Red Raiders of Texas Tech. Yeah. I have witnessed Part them the lay egg after egg after egg. I feel like whenever I watch Texas Tech play, they lose. Chris Beard's got something for you. That's fine. He might. But I'm going to take Buffalo. Um, I think Buffalo gets to the Sweet 16 where they then will run into a Michigan team that um, will, will be too tough uh, for them. But I do think they'll get to the Sweet 16, has a chance to maybe uh, bust a couple brackets. This next one, I'm going to be honest, I'm probably cheating a little bit because I think they got underseeded. Auburn Tigers. Um, I think they're going to get a challenge from New Mexico State in the first round, but I love their draw with Kansas in round two. I think Kansas is not playing their best ball right now. They're kind of limping into this thing. Do they have potential? Sure, because of what it says across the front of their jersey. But Auburn playing incredibly well right now, a little dependent on the three ball. Coached by who, Auburn? Bruce Pearl. My guy. That's your guy. Back in the tournament, two straight berths in a row for Auburn. I think. I think Auburn. I think Auburn gets to the Sweet Sixteen. They get a date with the Tar Heels. What happens from there? They'll have a puncher's chance. Ooh. I don't think that they win. What a game! But I think that they'll get there. And my last one before I turn it back over to you. You're really not going to like this one. We've already talked about it. Jay Wright in the pinstripe suit. Bimbo. The, the pinstripe Bimbo. suit that stays buttoned the whole game, which Bimbo. is a classic look. A lot of coaches unbutton the jacket when they pace back and forth. Jay Wright and the Villanova Wildcats. I have them getting to the Elite Eight. Um, I like them against St. Mary's in the first round. I think Purdue is a very weak three seed. We've talked about that. I think Nova can get to Purdue in the second round, take them out. And I think Tennessee will get picked off as well. I think they'll choke under the pressure. So I have Villanova getting the Elite Eight where they then will get beat by Virginia. Um, But those are my three teams that I think can make uh, some runs in this thing. Houston was another team that I considered. um, But I do think... That uh, Houston, probably Sweet 16, but I don't think they're ready to beat Kentucky. So uh, those are my three, Buffalo, Villanova, uh, and Auburn. Before I get into my, uh, I want to give my elite eight teams. Who do you think is the strongest number one seed in the tournament? Duke. Second would be Virginia, in your opinion? No. Second one, in my opinion, would be North Carolina. So why? Okay. Well, so what, what, so what, hold on. What, what so you do mean? like chalk. Well, you're asking me strength in the number one seeds. So I'm telling you that. What does Did that you have not to do have chalk? all three of those in your Elite Eight? Yeah. <coughs> I don't a understand. Chalk, a little chalk around here. Okay, so is this just you giving me shit, or is there a point to this? No, there's not a point to okay. it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think, I, I think, I think I'd pick Gonzaga to beat Virginia. I Virginia might be the weakest four to me. And everything I talked about last week with Virginia, Florida State proved it on national television. Uh, people like to hate on Tony but Bennett, keep and that's going, fine. Keep going. No, that's fine. People like to hate on Tony Bennett. So let me give you my elite. I got Duke playing Michigan State. I got Zaga playing Texas Tech. UVA playing Tennessee. UNC playing Houston. So listen, I'm very chalky as well. But to be fair, and I'm, I'm jacking off. I, we're going to cut that. <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're, we're, we're definitely cutting. I'm cutting it. Uh, this is a tournament that lends itself to chalk. We talked about a couple of the five or three seeds that we like. I would be surprised if we even see a five seed in, in the Elite Eight. So I like those eight teams. I'm really glad we don't do this live because I, I can't talk sometimes. But um, the other four teams that I have are UNC Houston and UVA Tennessee. Okay. 
I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. My Elite Eight is when I filled it out today, I almost wanted to punch myself. But my, let's see, I got I got Duke, Michigan State in the East. In the West, I have uh, Gonzaga and Michigan, which is one versus two. Okay. Uh, in the Midwest, I have North Carolina versus Kentucky, one versus two. Okay. And here's where I get a little goofy. I have Virginia and Villanova. Nova. Uh, in my Elite Eight. Um, Final Four, I have all four number one seeds getting to the Final Four, although I hate Virginia. The reason I'm saying they're going to get there, I think they're going to get lucky in the case that Villanova is going to knock out Tennessee uh, and some of their bigger challengers they may have had. They'll get a good matchup with Villanova in the Elite Eight. That'll get them in. Duke's just too damn good. I think Gonzaga is out to prove to everybody that they are worthy of a number one seed, and I think that outside of Michigan, they don't have a whole lot that can really challenge them. I think they got to play one good game against Michigan to get to the Final Four. I think they will. Um, and then I have North Carolina, um, who is, I'll say it now, they are my champion as well. So that's my Final Four. In my championship game, I have North Carolina, Duke, round four. Another, hopefully another game with a healthy Zion, but I have North Carolina edging them this time. North Carolina winning the national championship. I have Michigan State defeating Virginia in the national championship. Not that anyone gives a fuck about what we think, but we do a podcast and we talk about sports gambling, so we got to do it. If you had to put $100 or maybe even more than that on one team right now, you would still put it on Duke. You would still put it on Duke. I think they're the weakest one seed right now, especially their bracket. Michigan State... I know I'm high on them. I get it. But it's you not, can't tell me you not, watched no, that Michigan-Michigan State game and thought no. that they could not win the tournament. I mean, saying that Michigan State is good and can win the tournament is not a bold statement. They're awesome. No, no, I, 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 I get that. I, th- I mean, I, I think with Duke, the only thing that really stands out is they, at times, can have a really difficult time with the perimeter shot. Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett can go through. They can be very streaky. And Jones was a little bit streaky during the, during the tournament as well. The weird thing about Zion, though, is... He can literally be whatever you need him to be. He was shooting three balls. He was. Against... You play. You play against Syracuse or someone who oh shoot, my who, God. who packs everything in and makes you play his own. He'll he shoot thirteen shoot. from thirteen from the field. You need a dirty offensive rebound and a tip in against North Carolina to win late. He'll give you that. He can literally do whatever the game asks him to do. And the reality is, if you get consistency out of him and one of those other guys shows up as well. That's a good enough recipe, at least through the Sweet 16. It would be a real shame if they lost before then. I, it would. And I, I think... Because they have one of the best all-time teams this year. I mean... They do. Just man. on paper, they one do. of the best all-time teams. They do. And I think, at the end of the day, with this tournament, which you have to remember, the opening weekend is almost its own thing. It's its own monster outside of that. It's, it's the spectacle of it. But at the end of the day, in this tournament, it's about who can win six games. It's, it's about who's built for sustained success. It's the more talented teams that are more equipped. Obviously, you're going to have teams that have bad nights and go home early. It happens. But just like most Cinderella's, eventually, they end up getting their ass kicked at some point because the cream rises to the top late in this tournament. You look at Duke. I mean, I, I understand. I don't know how often all four number one seeds have made it. Probably not as often as you'd think. I'm sure that the numbers are a little staggering. But I do think this – I do think – my final takeaway before I turn it back over to you is I do think the top eight teams in the country, your ones and twos, are as significantly above the rest of the field as they've ever been, in my opinion. I think there's serious separation. I mean, look at it. Look at the two seeds. 
Look at the two seeds. Michigan State, Tennessee, Kentucky, Michigan. Those are really good teams. Look at the threes. Houston? Do you really, I mean, Texas Tech, I, I think there's a serious drop-off when you start going from the twos to the threes. Well, I think the, the fours especially. Uh, yeah, it gets worse and worse. I mean, I know yeah. that's the whole point. As you get lower and, in seeds, the teams are supposed to get worse. And I, I said, get that. I but. said chalky to chalky. I think anything below three is, is really looking for a stretch. I'll, I'll just re- reiterate it again. This is a gambling podcast, and my two biggest plays, round one, Cincinnati and Louisville. Give the people a winner, Jeff. Give the give them what they want. One that I think is a for sure. No, no, no. Maybe like a sixty percent winner. I I I think the winners, baby, cashing those tickets. I think the best game of the first day, in my opinion, the most entertaining game of day one. Make sure you're in front of the TV at five fifty p.m. Central Time on Thursday because Nevada and Florida in the seven ten. I think is going to be a. We didn't touch on that game. It is going to be a scrappy, scrappy game. It's going to be a battle. But I'm telling you right now, the Gators are hot. They played really good ball. They barely lost to Auburn. Florida is getting two right now. They're plus two. What's the over-under on that game? The over-under on that game is, let me find it for you. Let let the kid get it for you. The over-under is 132.5. I'll take the under. I will as well. But I think Florida and Nevada is going to be a total slugfest. I think it will come down to the end. But I do like Florida. That's one game. And like I said before, Villanova, I have them going to the Elite Eight. Minus five and a half against St. Mary's Book if they're going to blow the Gales out of the building. Cosign. Jeff, I'll, I'll be watching for my cube. I will be at home right here watching with, I don't know what my beverage of choice is going to be yet. Probably what is your beverage rum. of choice? Well, I'm a rum guy. So, okay. is, know, there, might... is there a mid-morning drink you can have with rum, though? Or you just go straight rum and coke? It doesn't matter what time of day it is. I drink rum whenever the fuck I please. Okay. I don't. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. Okay. Some people like some people like rum and pineapple juice. Like I was earlier say, in the day, that or uh, juice or I something? don't do that. I pretty much drink it straight. If it's the Captain Morgan private stock, I'll drink it straight on the rocks, or Ooh, I'll just do big shooter, or I'll just do uh, rum and coke. I like to keep it pretty simple. I might just have a beer. I don't really know. See, I am a man who, if it comes to mid morning, early afternoon drinking, I do have a separate category that I can't. I can't delve out of until about 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So that'll be the screwdriver variety. That'll be maybe a, a nice uh, Prosecco, you know, maybe like a mimosa, something very classy like that. And then as the afternoon moves on, as we start to get into some of those uh, those true TV games, you know, this is the time of year. Can I give the joke? What channel is true TV? Someone's got to know. That's when I'll start moving into the darker stuff and, and maybe enjoy a nice little... Uh, a little seven and seven, a little Jameson and ginger ale, a little, little cream stout, something like that. So w- hope everyone enjoys the games. This will be dropping tonight. So if you're listening to this, you still have plenty of time to get your first round picks in. And we will be coming at you later this weekend, taking a look at the Sweet 16. Saturday morning. Saturday morning will be the next podcast. That's when we'll be recording. So we will have a full breakdown of round one. Um, looking forward to the weekend in the round of 32. We'll do another breakdown on those matchups then. Um, last thing I'll say for everybody is uh, the first game, we were talking about this before we started, first game of the entire tournament at 11-15, Minnesota-Louisville. It's a 7-10 matchup, a game that the country's pretty split on. And then the first game on Friday at 11 is a 7-10 Iowa-Cincinnati. That's very close. Hope you guys end up on the right side of that for your parlays, your pools. Don't start the day off wrong. Make sure you pick correctly. And according to the Boston Media Podcast, you need to be on the Cardinals. And the Bearcats come out on the right side of that first matchup, start the day strong. Final thoughts from the CEO. 
Do not start off with a big wager and bankroll management is key. Guys, there's a lot of games. Do not blow your wad before noon. Manage your units. Um, and, and I, Stay I, consistent. That's the biggest thing. Stay consistent. I agree with that. And you see some decent money line plays like the Old Dominion plus 800. Throw 10, plus throw 10 15, yeah. 20 bucks on it. See what happens. Um, you know, those long shots, if you throw a little bit of coin, you, if you know what, I mean, think about it to lose 10 bucks, but you can turn it into 80, the return 50 turned into 400. It's, it's, it's way better than than the risk of losing 50 bucks. So again, everybody's, everybody's units, everybody's sense of what they're willing to lose is different, but, uh, good luck to everyone. That, happy tournament. And we'll be back Saturday morning with a recap of the round one madness. Boston media. We're out.